Hey, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. So we're finally getting around to an episode that we were going to do a year ago, two years ago. It had to have been it before the pandemic. It has been at least two years ago. Because it was before the pandemic bro- broke out. Pinch pandemic <laughs> turned everything upside down. But, you know, Jeff, I don't think we're speaking ahead of ourselves or speaking out of turn when we say i think you and i are both big wednesday week fans definitely and um now there's this big gorgeous beautiful album of some early recordings there of it is the band but under a different name yes band called narrow adventure yes yeah look at that big beautiful piece of vinyl yeah. and uh <laughs> I got the and the space case sticker. Um, and uh, we're really fortunate to be able to speak with Kelly and Chris Callen and Kiel Johansson. Yes, yes. So, All three members of the band. Ah, I love it. So I think we should get started. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. Well, Jeff, I think our listeners, now we get to clue them in. Yeah. Let, let everyone know who has joined us today. Yeah, so we've got all three members of Narrow Adventure talking to us today. So Kel Johansson, the bass player. Correct. Welcome. Your first time being on the show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for joining us. And Kelly, the drummer and background vocalist and lyricist. Welcome back. <laughs> and then Christy singer, guitar player, and kitty cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Special guest star. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we had Kelly and Christy on before, we were talking about um, Wednesday week and the progression of the band. Um, and I recall during that discussion, we were talking about how the two of you were the, the undeclared or an undeclared band. And then uh, Steve Wynn joined you guys for Goat Deity. And then you became Narrow Adventure and then Wednesday week. So we wanted to focus in on that little period, uh, 81 to 83, if the album cover is accurate or the name of the new record. Um, Can you tell us about transitioning from Goat Deity into Narrow Adventure and welcoming your new bass player? Well, you know, I was just thinking we have to do a Goat Deity one of these. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yes, just I will. I will be there. I will show up. <laughs> um, um, gosh, <laughs> Kelly, any anything to say about that? Oh, we have another visitor. The professor is here. Um, uh, so yes, we parted ways with Steve Wynn, and we were, I guess, going to see the urinals all the time, and. As one should. Them, yes, really. We weren't going to the urinals. We were going to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, two two completely different things. Thank you for that clarification, Kelly. (laughs) What do you remember, Kelly? 
Oh, I thought you were punting that to Cal. <laughs> well, he can go next, but what do you, what do you I, remember? I don't remember, actually. So I'm, I'll be happy for Kel to jump in. Come uh, on, Kel. You know, yeah, you know, I think I remember. Yeah, we got to know you, you two, uh, Christine, Kel. I don't know, somehow we started talking about what you guys were doing. And that I think that was probably not too long after Steve left and you were looking for a, a third member. And you mentioned something about base. And I, I, I said, um, yeah, I can help out. I'll, I'll learn how to play bass. And um, <clears throat> so it was like, yeah, let's, let's give this a try. And I think it was just kind of, um, just seemed like a good idea. It came together kind of pretty easy and really informal. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, that'd be fun to play bass. I, I think, you know, if I remember when the urinals first started, I wanted to play bass, but John had already got a bass. And so I had to uh, learn guitar. And so I think it probably went back to that too, of me thinking of originally wanting to play bass. Um, and so, yeah, I remember talking to Vitas Monterey from the last about that and Danny and Trotsky. Um, and he said, yeah, well, that's back in the days. I don't know if you guys remember when they had a, a, a print paper called the Recycler that would come out every Thursday and it would have um, things for sale. It's kind of like Craigslist. And um, <clears throat> he found a Hagstrom eight-string bass on Craigslist that was ridiculously cheap. I mean, it was like probably a hundred bucks. Wow. And um, I'd never heard of Hagstrom. He's like, oh yeah, they're really cool. And you really need to check this out. And so I went and checked it out. And it turned out that it belonged to Hunt Sales from, um, <clears throat> you know, Hunt Hunt and his brother played uh, in, in Tin Machine and they played with Iggy Pop and were the sons of um, Soupy Sales. Soupy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, I remember walking into this, this uh, Hollywood apartment and there's like pictures on the wall. It's like, that's Soupy Sales. And I see this big drum that had like Hunt Sales, big whatever, big band or what. I, I looked and I looked at that. I looked at the picture and I looked at him and I said, is your dad Soupy Sales? And it's kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. So I tried negotiating and he goes, no, that he goes, the price is really low. So if you want it, get some cash and come back. Otherwise, you know, thanks. So I went and got some an extra 20 bucks out of the out of a bank and, and came back and bought it. And that's how I got my base. And so we uh, we had the double stringed instruments. But um, yeah, I think that's it was just they were looking for someone. We were friends. I was up for an adventure. Uh, it turned out to be a narrow one. Uh, sorry for the pun, but um, yeah. So we just started rehearsing at uh, at uh, Christine Kelly's mom's place, and and um, it was one of those things where I, you know I didn't know what I was doing on bass, and so we just came up with stuff that worked with our abilities. Do you still own the bass? You know, sadly, um, I got rid of it, but um, when we started talking about a reunion. I tracked the same model down and found a guy in Seattle and used my frequent flyer miles and just flew up for free and uh, picked one up. So wow. there you go. Very and Christy cool. has her, her original 12 string that she, that she played. Ah, excellent. So how do the songs come together? We, we know that Kelly wrote all the lyrics 
if not most of the lyrics. I'm pretty sure. Not all of them. Yeah, not all of them. So how did the songwriting process most go? Christy, did you come in with a, the music and then Kelly would write lyrics or how would this work? Well, as I, um, I remember being asked this question back in the day, okay? <laughs> and I remember my answer. So probably this is oh. it, that she would give me the lyrics and they would sing themselves to me. So <laughs> I would look at the lyrics and I'd be like, hmm. And especially if you listen to a lot of these songs, I mean, I took theory and I took guitar lessons and I took, you know, a lot of music classes and stuff, but it was still pretty unconventional in a lot of ways for some of the songs because I wanted to be different. So, but a lot of the stuff just goes with the words and doesn't necessarily repeat much, so the words you know, because, first. so yeah, I just wrote the music to go with the words. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Usually, I mean, I'd say 90% of the time. Yeah. Good question. I never knew the answer to that. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning along with you guys. Well, they would inspire the music. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, oh, I, here's a, here's some frustrated words. I'm mad. I'm going to write some mad, you know, <laughs> whatever I thought mad music was, you know, or frustrated music was, you know, so yeah. Uh. Very cool. And we didn't mention, Soraya, that Kel was from the Urinals, 100 Flowers, a bunch of bands, Trotsky Ice Pick, Danny and the Doorknobs, who we saw live, Soraya, performing a few years back. So um, I should have mentioned that in the in, during the introductions. So the recording, um, you guys had mentioned Vetus. How did you come to the point where you recorded these songs? Well, you yeah. Was it all one session for all 10 of these songs? Well, we know that there's some live. Yeah, and one of the songs, songs actually was not recorded by Vetus. There was a gentleman who used to come to shows that we got to know named Keith, who went to UCLA and he had a class where he was like a recording class and he needed a band to record. So he recorded us, that was the song Prop 2. So we went down to this place and we recorded prop two with Keith Goldfarb who I I loved that Keith Keith was great and he ended up working for Rhythm and Hughes which was an animation studio they did babe and all kinds of amazing things and a real cool guy I guess so he didn't end up becoming a producer recording producer but he did other amazing things so so we did that one then there's a recording of a, a rehearsal that we actually did with David and David's on bass for one song because it was a rehearsal uh, after Kel left. And then there were a couple live shows. But with Vetus, it was because, I mean, I, I again, we knew Vetus and Kel from going to see their bands. And I guess he heard that we had a band and said, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, record you. I, I, I'm, thinking kelly do you remember much about it or kel do you remember I, much about I, it? i remember i remember recording <laughs> at uh, he had a, a studio a garage that was converted into a recording studio um on lyceum off of i think it was venice in in mar vista yeah and um i remember recording there and I, he did yeah he did yes. a lot of recording he did uh last recordings there 
Um, I know he recorded a number of other bands. I think he did um, some urinals or hundred flowers stuff, maybe Salmonella or some other um, tracks that ended up on compilations. So he was just, I mean, he had the setup, he was recording and, you know, he, he, he was, he still is great. But, you know, back then his thing was, he liked, you know, finding new bands. He liked um, bands starting out and he loved to just kind of help them get something recorded and, and see if they wanted to put it out or do something with it, help them get, you know, make a demo tape for getting booked. So he was, he was very much into recording his friends and family and um, people on the scene. So we, we kind of fell under that umbrella. Yeah. And it was obviously a, an awesome opportunity for us, you know, to, it really got us going and we're so lucky. I mean, I think about some of the bands from back then who didn't record, didn't record. It's like, it's crazy. Um, and it's, I don't know what our path would have been if Vetus hadn't invited us into the Lyceum studio. So, right. But again, I think that also all goes back to Gary, right? If Gary got us our first show and, you know, of course, Gary was, I think, managing the last at that point. And so we were playing with the last and that's another reason why we were, we were friends and playing together. But yeah, absolutely. And this was our first recording experience. I don't know right. about for you, Ke probably not. You probably recorded other places before before you recorded with Vetus, yes? Um, no, Vetus was, uh, he, <clears throat> he's, he quote, discovered us at a, at a Halloween party in the dorms at Dykstra, came up to us afterwards and said, would you like to record? I, I think you guys are great. I'd like to record you. And so that was October. And then on Thanksgiving weekend, <clears throat> we recorded the some, the four songs for the first EP in his pool house. Yeah, so that was that was our introduction to Vetus and our introduction to recording. Yeah. What year? Let's see, 75, 76, 77. 79 Seven, or 80? I think it might've been 78. Yeah, I think it was October 78. Let's wow. Yeah, it was 70, October of 78. Wow. Uh, that's well, that's cool. when he saw us in November. Yeah. And then once we recorded it, we're like, well, cool. What do we do with it? And he just said, well, you should put it out. And we're like, oh, we can't do that. And he knew how to do it. And so he walked us through the process. And that's how uh, the urinals uh, put out their first. Um, Christy, I, I want you to say, this is, Cla <laughs> this is Clayton. <laughs> Thank you, Kel. <laughs> So um, yeah, so yeah, so uh, we formed Happy Squid Records and put that out. So um, yeah, the, awesome. the first real studio was when your uh, your buddy Keith brought us into that recording studio. I think it was off, you know, it was like near Highland Park or Mount Washington. Is off the one ten. Yeah. I remember that, and yeah. it was like a real studio, yeah. and they had like real microphones, and it was That's like, true. yeah, oh wow, this is this is real stuff. So. Um, yeah, I mean, not that Vias didn't have real stuff, but it was he was really good with lo-fi approach and getting really interesting performances out of bands that kind of captured what they were like live. Yeah, and so absolutely. that's um, that's that's what his specialty was with certainly with the urinals and hunter flowers. Wow. I was just gonna ask Kelly, what do you remember that recording at all? The first experience recording with Vias? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I, I do. And, you know, I mean, it, it was awesome. It's, it's really, it's amazing to think about how everything happened back then. And, you know, I mean, as you're saying, Kel, he recorded a lot of bands and to be part of that was really pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah. I, I think Vetus had a couple different places that he recorded at. I think you mentioned the garage and then the pool room, those were two different places. So the, the first place he recorded was uh, his parents' house, the pool, the pool house in the back. He had a four track recorder. Um, and then he graduated to a um, garage that he converted. And I think he was still recording four track at that time. And then um, the, I remember he, he transitioned, we tran he sold that place. We started recording at Radio Tokyo, um, <clears throat> Ethan James place. And then Vita's got another place in Mar Vista. He bought a house and he built a, a garage studio from scratch with, you know, really pro equipment and uh, a uh, control room and mixing speakers and everything like that where the Danny and the doorknobs and, um, well, actually, the, the Trotsky, uh, some of the later Trotsky albums were recorded. Okay, so is that the place with the pool in the backyard? Yes. Yeah, we okay. record. Yeah, we recorded "Baby" there, and uh, did El you Cabal. record there, Jeff? Yeah. So our band White Glove Test, our yes. lead album was recorded there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But this one was recorded a couple places before the Narrow Adventure stuff. Yes. Oh, very cool. So, so Soraya. Oh, go ahead. But I just wanted to add. So you record this, and I'm I really like the story of this first recording experience. Where do these tapes and where do they go from here? Where are these narrow adventure tapes that then <laughs> we get to hear now? And Jeff, show the props, please. That oh. beautiful album. And I have a couple. A We're gonna talk about both in a second. <laughs> yes, yes. So where are the where did these tapes end up? Oh, well, you know, under the bed. <laughs> That's not where tapes belong after all this work recording. Um, I just have to say, just back to the, um, yeah, we recorded them and we, we made cassette copies of them and used them to book shows, right? Okay. Um, but then, then he wanted to do Warfat Tales. Yes. And so we recorded two songs for Warfat Tales. Um, and those got on there. And then after that, and that was great when that came out, we wanted to do more recording. At that point, Kel had left. And um, we had Dave Provost help us. He just was saying, you need to go to Radio Tokyo and do it there. So we went and started recording at Radio Tokyo. So the, the first batch of stuff, the Narrow Adventure, because, and then we, we had become Wednesday week because we just said we couldn't keep the name Narrow Adventure. We, he, he wanted two tracks on Warfat Tales. He said, but I'm not putting, it's Narrow Adventure's just a dumb, we have to have a better name. So that's when we really changed. Kel is on those recordings. It was Narrow Adventure really, but um, but it's called Wednesday week. But that was almost kind of like the dividing line because that was about the time Kel left and and we started doing Wednesday week stuff and recorded at Radio Tokyo. So 
the stuff that we did with Beatus in the garage, um, I don't know. I mean, we used it to get shows, but it just kind of was on tapes, you know, that sat under the bed. So there was never an intention to shop it around or self-release it? You or know. Happy Squid? No, because. It is surprising if I, you know. Well, things were happening quickly then, yeah. you know, and we were just like, now we're doing Warfare Tales and now we're, oh, Cal's gone and we're Wednesday week and we're doing Radio Tokyo and there wasn't really time. time. It just didn't happen. And, you know, like you said, Kel, with them telling you how to put it out with, with Wednesday week, it was the same thing. It was like, we put that on ourselves and Vidus and Gary were like, here's how you do it because we were like you, Kel, I don't know how to do that. Sure. We said, oh, we'll show you, we'll tell you. And it was so great. Because, and I just thought, I don't, I, it scared me to think about, I don't know how to do that, but you know, they were great. So I just don't think there was time to put it out. Wouldn't you oh, say, Kelly? Say that's, that's where Betsy's house came in. Right. That was, yeah, that was Betsy's house. So that was after, but this stuff, I think we just, we recorded and then, then we were on to Warfat Tales and it just, things happened. I don't know. And I have to say. It's been under the bed. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I remember recording at Keith's. I remember recording. Um, those two songs, two songs for Warfrat Tales, but it's funny, I, you know, when when you told me that this was coming out, and I saw all the tracks, I was like, oh man, I didn't remember that we had recorded all those songs. And I kind of didn't. Either. And so it was just, I mean, it was amazing to me. It's like, oh, I'd forgotten we recorded them, and I forgot that we had good performances and, and good recordings of them. And so, um, and I'd forgotten that we had the, the the live set recorded too. That I'm sure that's something Vetus did. So I was really surprised, you know, when you know, Kelly and Christy got got in touch with me and told me about this. And I just was like, I just felt like we were really lucky that we had recorded that early stuff, and it was still in good enough shape to be able to be mixed and and put out. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I can understand why we didn't put it out at you know, at the time, because like you said, Christy, things were changing with the lineup, with the band name, with other opportunities. So, you know, we're just lucky, like Kelly said, that we, we got this recorded and, and um, still have it to put out. Yeah, so the big question is why now? And how did, so the, how did this happen to where, we're glad that it, yes. it did happen. I had nothing to do with it. So you're <laughs> gonna have to talk to the Callan sisters about that. Um, I remember um, Don, uh, who's my husband and was around back then as my boyfriend from, from the day one, um, was urging us to digitize everything that we had for Narrow Adventure. I guess, as you said, like before it falls apart and you, you know, the tapes aren't going to be good anymore. And that was quite a process to find all the things that we had. And like you said, Kel, kind of surprising also to see how much we actually did have. Yeah, yeah. Between like the live stuff, um, rehearsal. Oh, David was good at tracking all of that down. So one thing is, so David, you know, David, my husband, David, he, um, Vetus would give him his old equipment and old stuff. David was really interested in everything. They were in the last together. And David, saved everything and kept everything and Vetus would get tired of holding on to things and give them to David so even still I think we probably under the bed have all kinds of people's 
tapes. The question, I know we had the long writers for a long time. Um, oh God, a lot of bands from maybe Warfrat bands that Vetus would have their tapes and he was sick of holding on everybody's tapes. And so we ended up with them. So David is kind of the archivist. And so thankfully we had David and he was willing to go through all the stuff and find it and clean it up and you know make it doable. So were they like half inch reels? Quarter inch. Oh, quarter inch. So then I'm oh, we sure have half had... and quarter. I'm sorry. We have half inch reels with four tracks, and then we, we yeah, we'd have mixes on quarter inch. Sorry. So I would yeah, imagine those, yeah. those tapes needed to be baked, I would imagine, which is a process because the, that tape gets right. brittle after so many years. Today and then so they in here. We should be telling these things, yeah. So for the listeners, they actually put these tapes in ovens and bake them so that they will be a little bit more pliable, right? So they don't snap off. We, we did that recently with some white glove test tapes and they said it was good once. So once we baked them, <laughs> we digitize them and they, they get really brittle because it's old and you know tape gets yeah. old. So I so you had to do that with these narrow adventure tapes? I, I you know, Dave, David would be able to tell me. Was David, it that or driving them around in the in the trunk of a car where it got hot. No, no, no. I'm trying <laughs> in to Los Angeles in the summer. That'll work. Yeah, there you go. I'm trying to remember if Bill Ingwell. I was going to say, because I, I, I think, yeah, they were, I think they had to be baked. Yeah. Okay. So then, Bill so then get up. David says Bill Ingwell did it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> so then they get, they all get digitized and you realize that you have all these songs, an album. And, worth. and clean. Uh, didn't uh, Vetus and David remixed? D didn't they do some? Yes, Vetus came over here and oh, wow. they they remixed. Yeah. He remixed them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that they weren't already mixed down. So you still had the multi-track tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. And maybe that was partly why nothing ever came out. Also, I mean. It's like they we hadn't gotten everything ready to like hand anybody. I don't know that that was ever the intention. Yeah. Anyway. So maybe there was cassette versions that you could hand to clubs and whatnot, but not anything ready yeah. to be pressed or mastered. Yeah. So so Don is a, a we could thank Absolutely. Don for this happening. Mr. Don Williams, thank you very much yes, for this. He, he so has, then you decided to- I have, I, have to, I have to say, you know, you always hear these stories, uh, these old rockers thanking their wives and spouses. <laughs> I love it. The, the two Callan <laughs> sisters are thanking their husbands for, you know, coming up with the ideas and, and, and you know, encouraging them to do this. I, I just, I love the, uh, I love the turnabout. Flipping the script right here. Yeah, yeah. Somebody pushing you frequently because it's, it's hard for you to remember that that anybody cares about that stuff. You're too close to it. So the people who are at least one step behind it can go, you need to take care of this. And he just kept pushing and saying, and, and plus, you know, everybody's busy, right, with their life. You know, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And you need somebody who pushes. And so he did. And then, you know, David was willing to go through all of those boxes probably not all well labeled i don't know so it's a process indeed so then that brings us to the cassette version which was a couple of years ago which we got very excited about we jumped on the chance to invite you guys in to talk about it and there was going to be a show 
right, to promote the cassette release. And I think two or three days before Christy, that, that happened, we had the whole burger release thing. So how did you get to um, ask Burger to release the cassette when they were going to put it out as a cassette? You know, the funny thing is, um, uh, Karen Blankfeld, you know Karen Blankfeld? Uh, uh, Pandora's from- okay. Oh, yes. Red Karen Bassett. Pebbles. No. Karen Bassett, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She'll always be Karen Blankfeld to me. Karen Bassett, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, just went back to the 80s. Back, well, formally. <laughs> yes, back before we got Heidi in Wednesday week, Karen wanted to try out, or maybe she was going to try out for Lee Guitar. I don't know. She was going to try out for Wednesday week, and we already had somebody, but we became friends. Anyway, she had suggested that Burger might be somebody that would be interested in putting it out. Oh, and okay. I was like, okay, so she asked them and they wrote and said, we'd love to put that out. Oh, and so okay. we said, okay, oh. but we wanted it on vinyl. And they said, all right, let's try for Record Store Day. And I, apparently Record Store Day comes like, what they told me was that there's like people who decide what comes out on record store day, not the label, but people who decide oh. and that are not them. And that we had to wait until time that things were up for consideration and then submit it. And it didn't happen. And then they're like, well, we could wait till next time. And we weren't in any hurries. So we're like, okay. And I feel like this went on for a couple of years. And finally it was like, fine, just put it out as a cassette. So yes, they finally, finally put it out. We really, it was a couple of years because um, we really thought it'd be cooler on vinyl and we just gave up and yes. So, and then Burger folded. It was out for a couple of days and Burger folded something like that. It was really yeah, close I, to that time of the I mean, Within a couple of days, couple of weeks. I mean, it just, we were so excited and then it just, you know, vaporized. And, you know, not that it's all about us, it's, it's really about, you know, the people that were affected by Burger, but, you know, with all the time that we waited and all the excitement, you know, we're going to play Burger Burgerama right. and, and get together and do some live shows. So um, we, we, were, we were casualties of the Burger implode, but certainly not as, as serious of a casualties as the, the young woman who, who came forward. But uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we were collateral damage and all that. And it was really deflating. Um, you know, I think, you know, Kelly and Christy can talk about how they felt about it, but it was kind of like, you know, you're right at the starting line and poof. So we had, yeah, we had to start from scratch. We were very excited ourselves too. And I didn't, I, Christy, thank you for sharing um, with Karen, because I know that they had put out the Pandora's EP on Burger, right? So that, so she's the connection there. So thank you for sharing that. So that explains how you get to Burger. Well, see, that's the thing. And then I felt bad when they just imploded because I didn't really know anything about them. You know, honestly, you know, uh, people, yeah. you know, of course, afterwards said, oh, yeah, everybody knew they were like this. And it's like, I didn't do any research. I just thought, well, I have lots of friends who are on this label who've had stuff released. I'm sure it's fine, 
but I didn't really know anything. It's very nice. Anyway, I don't know. So it was just, I just felt bad because, you know, so I thoroughly researched space case, right, Cal? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, we get to the vinyl release. Yay. So now we have the space case on vinyl. Um, so how did, so how did you get to, to, to them as a label? Was, was there a connection there networking or? Yeah, there was another label that was supposed to do it before Space Case. Um, and then right before that was going to happen, I think we got the artwork done and everything. Um, they yeah. kind of changed the terms on us. And we said, I don't think that's going to work. And then Kel came in with Space Case and made it happen. I want to hear about this, Kel. Yeah. Well, we, we were originally think we were originally talking about, you know, will we self-release? Um, who can we shop it around to? And then um, that other other deal fell through. And um, Ryan at Space Case had released a um, 100 Flowers 7-inch. So we did a cover of Fascist Groove Thing. Oh, yeah. And yes. so that was kicking around, you know, because I asked John Tally Jones, um, I said, you know, do you have any ideas, you know, who, you know, like who put out the, the seven inch? And he mentioned Space Case and Ryan. And, and um, you know, I'd talked to Ryan before and I thought, oh, yeah, that, who knows, that might work out. So I just uh, reached out to him and it was great. I mean, it was, it was pretty frictionless. It was like, yeah, sure, we're, we're interested. And, um, you know, the fact that we had it mastered and had all the artwork and everything all set to go, I think it made it a little more appealing, too, that it was just, you know, boom. So, I mean, gosh, you know, the three of us talked and we had it wrapped up pretty quickly. I mean, it, it, do you guys remember? I think it happened really quick. It did. I mean, the vinyl manufacturing didn't. Yes. Because of the state of the world. But we did have it wrapped up quick. Yeah. And then the artwork. So um, you had some help with the artwork, right? Putting this all together. We did. I, I, I will say talking about how fortunate we were to have the recordings, fortunate to have all those pictures um, because we had a ton of pictures. John, who was in the last, uh, took all those pictures for us. And that was great because I mean, I don't know what we would have done without these great photos that we had. But yes, Kel brought on. I just yeah. want to put that that's John Frank. Not everybody necessarily knows who John of the Last is. So we've got a lot of Johns kicking around the. Uh, yeah. the oh, uh, true that. The collective family. Not John. Exactly. Yes. Okay. John Frank. Um, and then Kel brought on Tom Hofer to do the graphic design which turned out fantastic and how did we know tom again mm. <laughs> from the leaving trains leaving and trains. so he yeah and he's the he's the uh, the bass player for trotsky ice pick he, he and i got together in a band uh, a solo project of mine and then when uh, trotsky started up he slid into the bass part uh bass playing part for trotsky and then he ended up being our graphic designer for trotsky and doing all our stuff so it was kind of pretty seamless to just ask him to slide over and do this as well nice and, um, yeah 
And on the day that we're recording, it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Tom. It is. <laughs> happy birthday, Tom. Oh, and you know what? His brother Manfred did all the graphic design for Betsy's house, the Wednesday week. Uh, oh, because oh, Manfred did that? Yeah, oh, okay, cool. And that's back when, you know, no computers, you know, he right. did everything by hand. All of that. That's that's Manfred. Yeah, so it's oh. great. We've got Tom and Manfred helping us out. Ah, that's keeping it in the family. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a big family. Yes. Yeah, they're very yeah, creative, yeah, they're... those Hofer brothers. They are. Oh my God. And so is their dad. When Tom came over the other to pick up his uh, vinyl, um, he showed me a drawing that their dad had done. And I said, I think that'd be really good dime box sticker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he sent me the art. I might use that. But yeah, all those hofers are very creative, talented bunch. Yep. And we've got. Oh, I want to keep this art uh, thread going. We've got this video for Prop Two. Tom Two. Yeah, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, this video because first of all. <laughs> I like the the mixing of the old and the new, like the imaging, but uh, talk to us a little bit about that and how that came about. I wanted to um, recreate a little bit of like the, the black and white photos that John Frank took of us downtown. We wanted to go back downtown again and yeah. kind of recreate a little bit of that. So um, that was part of it. And then you know, going, we went to Chinatown over to like where Madame Wong's West used to be. You know, we used to play there. No, east. Sorry, East. Yes, the original. Um, and so that was part of it too, you know. Um, I think we also, well, we walked down what, Broadway or one of those, one of the streets where we had taken, you know, where we'd taken photos. So, um, and then a little bit of the LA River just cause, you know, it was cool. Yeah, that's always a great place to, to shoot video, right? Or pictures of the LA River. So yeah. that's a great video. So why did you pick Prop 2 as the video song? Is there a reason? Well, also, I just wanted to go back to the filming of it. So my daughter filmed it and we went out during the pandemic when you still weren't go out. We snuck out really early on a Sunday morning. Oh. Uh, it was were there giant it was when the giant protests were happening downtown for oh wow um and anyway it was we felt like we we're really i think it was like eight in the morning was it was it something really crazy early it was really and early we went out yeah. and we had you know um and it was really kind of fun to do and kelly scouted the bridge river location um but why do we pick that song well um why do we pick that song, you guys? I mean, I have my thoughts. What do, what do you guys think? Did it have anything to do with one, it being one of the songs that wasn't on Betsy's house? Did that have anything to do with it? No, I don't think no. so. Um, what, what, what do you guys think? I, I, that's just one of my favorite songs of Nair Adventure songs. Just the musically, it's, it's very different. And it just, I think it sticks out. So I, I thought it would be a fun one to do a video for. And I, I, I played the important role of saying, sounds good. That's a great idea. <laughs> the supportive role. Yeah, that's, yeah. So m most of these songs, well, half of these songs end up being 
Betsy's House. So these are early versions of the Betsy's House songs. Four of them. And then um, I wanted to mention before we let you guys go that Anyone Like Me is one of my favorite songs. So the 12, 12 string is pretty pre predominant on that particular track. And I really like the arrangement of that song in particular. Yeah, that's that's more like the way we played it with Steve Wynn and Go Deity, because we played it that way. And then when we went to record it for for uh, Warfat Tales, Beatus said, oh, I don't like the way it does that. So that's not, and he, so he sort of changed the arrangement around. So that's why that's, that's yeah, that's definitely the earlier in their adventure Go Deity uh, arrangement right, yeah. of that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> It's a great song. Well, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so do you guys, uh, sounds like Kelly, one of your favorites is Prop 2. Do you, Christy, Kel, do you have favorites? Or Kelly, do you have any other favorites that are on the record? And how does it sound all these years later listening to these? It has to be mind-blowing to, to hear songs decades later that you guys had recorded. It doesn't Especially for you, Kel, right? Listening to these and not realizing that there were these recordings. Yeah, you know, I was really excited. And, um, you know, I listened to it and I, I just, and part of it, I had to relearn my bass parts. Oh. And I was just, I was really happy and surprised that we had all those cool songs. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is, look, um, I think this is a strength of narrow adventure with with uh, Kelly and Christie's writing. You know, the the Urdals wrote kind of unconventional song structures, and I think narrow adventure had that too in their own way, and it made it really unique. And so, um, it's fun hearing stuff that you just you know it's not real predictable. It's really eclectic, unusual, and it's fun to hear that. And we were a good little band back then. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it just, it surprised me um, hearing how good we were back then because, you know, it, it's been decades since, you know, we played together and I listened to it. So it really made me excited about playing live again. And um, it was funny. I, I remember one time uh, going to coming to rehearsal and saying, you know, to Christy, I need to talk to David about that bass line. I think that's his bass. I think he's playing on that recording. She goes, no, he's playing on the other one. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, don't, I don't even remember being able to play bass that fast and <laughs> on some of these songs. So um, it, it just, I'm really um, happy that, um, you know, this is coming, coming back to light and that we're, we're rehearsing these songs again. I, it just, it, it, it was a great little band and, and we're sounding good in rehearsals. So I'm excited. Nice. So any particular favorites? You know, I like um, Hello a lot. That's really um, a different song for us. And what are the last two on the um, the last two songs that are live? Get Tough and Third Song. Mm -hmm. I, I like that combination. I, I think those those three songs are, are uh, uh, real standouts for me. And and uh, but I, I you know I, I've got a soft spot for I hate lying the mom. That you know you just got to love it. Yeah. It's so fun playing and. Um, you know, boy, you got me good. I love the baseline on that. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not coming up with one song, but there's <laughs> there's definitely a core course group of songs that, that are really fun. But yeah, boy, so boy's not on the, the release, right? We're doing it in practice for the show. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah, we we've got some songs 
that from back then that will be that aren't on the like we didn't have a recording of conform or die which is an instrumental we used to do but we're trying to remember that one again like after all this time um so there's yeah so. and i'll say relative to um to the question of you know excited about it coming out i mean one thing that is really cool is that we have something to put out from back then mm -hmm. You know, when we go out, not that I've been out to see bands in a couple of years now, really, but um, Don and I had been going out to see local bands, you know, and one of the things that's so cool, even all these years later, seeing, you know, the younger, the, the next generation, whatever, um, is you'll catch these windows of bands when they're really young and they're doing something really cool and you know it's going to go away at any minute kids are going to go off to college, they're going to go whatever. It's like people, you know, go their own direction. But if you catch this little window, you get to really enjoy it. These days, more people record than back in our time. You know, as I said, there are some bands from back in our day who there's no documentation of it unless somebody had a live recording. So anyway, so I'm excited that we actually did have stuff and we can put it out all these years later. Because I think this was our little window, you know, I mean, not that yeah. we go on and do other things, but as Kel was saying, just sort of the structure of songs at that point in our development was so different, you know, and so it's kind of cool to have that. You know what else I want to say? I just remembered um, when we made our video, of course, we had our same clothes, <laughs> right? Kelly had Kel's old jacket because Kel had given... Kelly, his his old jacket. That's Kelly right. had her jacket. I had my dress, and we, we had our same clothes, which wow. was kind of cool. We we're just trying to recreate it, you know. That's amazing. Even better. And kudos that you could all fit into them. That's incredible. <laughs> well, I tell you, my daughter thinks I'm a pack rat, but it paid off that was, yeah. that's the christy dress yeah there you go that was the christy dress so soraya did you catch this that there's rehearsals going on you know thank you because these are the things that i love to hear one that are that they're rehearsing in two live shows can we look forward and where where do people get informed about where you're going to perform facebook Instagram, but we're playing May 1st at the Redwood with Family Tree Analog. And we're working on the third band, I think, right? And then we're playing at Cafe Zebulon in July with mm -hmm. Smirk and Retail, Retail, oh my gosh, give me a second. Retail, not Retail. Retail slut. That that's that was a store, right? <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. I'll remember. And then, yeah, I I I need to talk to Kel of uh, David Bash, which is asking us about playing IPO. So anyway, we're, yeah, we're gonna be playing around. Oh, excellent! So, Soraya, we're gonna have to share these dates. Yes, July twenty third, Cafe Zebulon. It's on Narrow Adventure and on Instagram and on Facebook. That other band was the Retail Simps. Retail Simps. Thank you. Coming down from, yeah, they're coming down from Canada. No, I thought it was Oregon. Oregon, somewhere up north, Northwest Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Uh, we're very exciting. I'm so excited to get shows again. 
Yeah, us too. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Soraya, any last questions? Uh, I think I just have one small question. And that is, I really like hearing the enthusiasm about the song and uh, the album. And Jeff and I have been kind of gushing over different songs. But um, one of the things that I found really interesting was the quality of the recordings that we got. Did that throw you off? Like once those original tapes came out, the quality of the recording, was that kind of surprising? Because these are songs that they speak of a, of you guys as a band, but they really kind of are timeless, or at least for me. Like they, they're not just kind of, oh, it, sometimes you, you hear some older recordings, you go, oh, that, that's kind of synonymous with that time. And it sounds like it. Were you kind of surprised with what, what you actually had? I wasn't. I wasn't because, like Kel was saying, it's the beauty of Vidus, right? Vidus recorded you as you were. I mean, actually, I did remember recently. I, I not remember. I was listening to it. It was like, oh my gosh, there's there's organ on there. I forgot to write that down in the credits. He played on. <laughs> But I mean, he would add a little bit, but he didn't change you. You know, he didn't, mm. he didn't change you and he didn't put it, he just captured what was there. And that was the thing about that band is it was the three of us and who we were. And we were not like, I mean, we, we were just like we are now. We get together now and we're just like we were then. You know, it's, we're, we're no different. Um, so, and Vita's got that. So that's why it's timeless. Cause yeah. Would you guys yeah. agree? No. Yeah, you know, I, um, um, I think, you know, in one sense, it seemed like a missed opportunity that these recordings didn't come out at the time. But what's great about it is, you know, we have a whole album of material that we can present that, that no one's really heard that before. And so that's kind of an exciting upside to having all these, you know, these archive of recordings that have never been heard. So it, it kind of makes it even a little more extra special that it's coming out now. And, um, you know, it, it's, as far as Vetus, you know, if he was interested in the urinals and we, believe me, we were really primitive. I mean, he just had a really good eye and ear for catching unique, unique bands. And I think he saw something unique about Narrow Adventure. And I, I hope people can hear that in the recordings. Um, and yeah, I mean, later on, as we recorded Trotsky stuff, he was more into producing and kind of rearranging and things like that. But, you know, he was a really good... Um, documentary filmmaker if that's the right word he, he really kind of captured these bands these songs these personalities um kind of at, at a moment where they were just figuring out who they were and there was still that that discovery that was going on about you know becoming musicians and songwriters and performers and so i think that part of the recordings capture that you know um there's there's a um you know we were young and learning all this stuff and kind of growing up together as people and musicians and so that's that's a really cool underpinning that's that's there and i think it comes out in the music and the lyrics and 
it makes me think about those times as well. I love that. I love that there's this exactly what you're saying, Kel, that there's this unheard music that we can hear today because you don't hear a lot of music made like it was made then. And right. things change, right? Times change, styles develop and change. So I totally agree with you. I get very excited when there's these recordings from that time period that I've never heard that come out. So I'm on the same page with you with that. It's very exciting. And the record's great. Cool. It's just a fun listen to. It's quick. It's a quick listen. <laughs> it goes by quick. Yeah. I can go to Walmart and come back and the album's over. So <laughs> leave them wanting more. That's what we say. There you go. <laughs> and we do. And we do. So speaking of that, do you is there any chance of any new narrow adventure recordings? Chrissy, that's funny that that, that came up. Gosh, I'm shocked. <laughs> How did you know? Kelly? I know, yeah, we, we do have a new song and we uh, yeah. we have new new stuff. So yeah, we oh. might record it. All right. Yeah. So we, we've got this new album from 81 to 83 and then possible new music and some live shows, Soraya. So I'm very excited. Yeah, the next record we 2022 to 2024. <laughs> so we got to wait 40 years for that one. <laughs> thank you yeah. for having us, you guys. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much it's for coming. Our pleasure. Yeah. So really, nice to see thank you. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And seriously, yeah. overdue. But we're so excited and we're really excited for all of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. I love your shirt, Jeff, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a classic. So and that's where we were hanging around when Narrow Adventure Days with Moby, which was the precursor as far as I'm concerned to freak yeah. out. So that was Soraya's hangout too, right? Record Soraya. stories are yes, it was. Yeah. Well, we were probably there. I know you're younger than us. See? Maybe. I, you never know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing you guys at the Redwood and at Club Zebulon. So those should be some great shows and we'll see you guys there. Okay. Thank you. Sounds good. All right, All right you guys. Oh, thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, oh, great talking to you. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. May 1st, July 23rd. May 1st at the Redwood, July 23rd, Cafe Zebulon, and talks for IPO. So I'm thinking there could be some more shows. I'm hoping... Like I'm really hoping. I like the enthusiasm and the energy that they're talking about. Just this. And there's new music? Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a throwaway question. That there... No, it wasn't, though. <laughs> like, we walked right in. They just said, oh, thank you for that segue. One of the things that I am really intrigued by is I want to go to David and Christy's house and look at the box under the bed mm. because that box mm -hmm. there's there's stuff there. Look, they all made this really good point. It is, and Kelly said it best. It is so fortuitous. It's really a good thing that they have these recordings because some bands just didn't do it and you you know it's 
adding pages to this history of the LA music scene. And, you know, you and I have talked about it enough here and, you know, off air too. There's a lot of stories that just haven't been told about the LA music scene. And especially at the time that you and I are focusing on like this kind of encapsulated early 80s time mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just really glad that you and I have the ability to talk to the people who played in these bands that we admire whose music we enjoy and that they're still here to tell their story still making music it's really as a fan I feel really I'm really thankful for that and uh, because these are stories that deserve to be heard the music deserves to be heard and uh, yes i agree with you anyone like me but i'm giving my props to the song you and dave oh give my props to the song you and dave because why else jeff i love the beautiful harmonies the beautiful voices coming together and i hear it so much on you and dave but this is a cool group I'm so glad this release saw the light of day and saw it in the way they wanted it on vinyl. Yes. Yes. Uh, And thanks to space case because space case records, because this is really a gift. This is really a gift for the fans. Yes, absolutely. What a great band. Uh, And I am beyond, beyond, uh, in admiration that they all had the same clothes and wore them for the video wow that is impressive that i just like the 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 family affair of of the video and the album coming together because it's really about friends chrissy said her daughter shot the video you know and then uh, tom uh, hopper i mean this is a community. This is really a community project and it's really a family project. I like that a lot. Yes. They just, they, first of all, the three of them are really cool, cool people, but I love the passion with which they talk about their music and it sounds like they're having a good time. Yes. Yeah. That, that really shines through. And chapeau to Don Williams. Yes. If it wasn't for Don Williams pushing Kelly, we wouldn't have these this great recording. So yes, thank you, Don. Salute. Indeed. All right, Soraya. So coming up next on the podcast, we'll be talking to the author of this book, um, All Over the Place, The Rise of the Bengals from the LA Underground, Eric Shade. If you don't have it. I think there's still a couple copies left, but there's probably not much. But yeah. we'll be talking to the author, Eric Shade, on this book on our next episode. At least that's our plan. Yes. It hasn't happened yet, but that's our plan. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, All right, Soraya. This is good times. Indeed. Man. It's a good time to be a fan of good music. Hell yes. And uh, once again, Jeff, what else came up in this interview? The recycler. recycler. (laughs) We need someone to make us a t-shirt with the logo of the recycler. Yes. Let's let's get it done because I swear it has popped up in so many of our episodes. So yes. 
And I'm sorry, Craigslist just don't cut it. No <laughs> one's gonna say anything like that about Craigslist. No, no. We're no. finding that that badass eight-string bass. Yes. From being sold by Soupy Sales son. Yes. I love that whole story. And then the fact that Kel wanted to get that same bass for that same sound. So he flies to San Francisco using Oh, no, Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> Seattle using his frequent flyer miles. Oh, isn't that a great story? I love it. Yes, I love it too. So I'm going to be at these shows, Soraya. And, well, I think it's going to be both of us. So. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like it noted that of tonight's, of, of this episode, I'm the only person that hasn't recorded with Venus Marare. Oh. <laughs> That's oh. a good thing, folks. That's yeah. a, it's a yeah. brilliant thing. Yeah, no, I mean, once you get those that you're drumming down, remember. We're working on it, working on it. Eddie Cowell wants you to be a drummer, so. Shoot, man, I I just need to channel his spirit. (laughs) That's it. Oh, mi gente, agruviar. Groove on, Paisley people.